1: a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Kerry Cox Romero is the executive director of the New Mexico Council of Guides and Outfitters Association. I think I got that right. And she reached out to me to say, look, we've got a little bit of a current event happening. a uh, Hot topic in the state of New Mexico right now, tied to big horn sheep and tag allocations. Tag allocations between resident and non-resident. This is a topic that is coming up all the time in the Western states. You saw Wyoming went 90-10 in terms of their resident, non-resident tag allocation. And similarly, here in the state of New Mexico, They are having the same kinds of conversations. So I wanted to hear from Kerry to see where does she stand? She's obviously the executive director of a council and outfitters association. So you could think that she may be biased in her position and her opinion. And we challenged her on that bias, a quick, short, sharp, current events conversation about bighorn sheep in New Mexico. So you sent me an email and you're like, Hey. You want, a, you want a hot topic. And uh, I said, obviously, that's what we do. We like to talk about controversial things. And you're like, I got one, bighorn sheep. I said, there's nothing controversial about bighorn sheep. Come on, Kerry. Is there?
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. Really? Very so as So yeah. as
1: I understand it, is it is akin to what happened in Wyoming, but even more like Wyoming went to a ninety ten model in which now the chances of a non-resident drawing a sheep tag in Wyoming is like, I think it's 50 years now. Wow. In terms of the preference points. Yeah. People that had 22, 26 preference points, people have calculated it out to like 48 now in a 90, 10 scenario.
2: So I would say it's, born out of the same sort of resident preference agenda, but because Wyoming, the hunting industry in Wyoming works so differently from the hunting industry in New Mexico, it's different. It's not exactly what's going on in Wyoming, but it's, it's born out of a similar push for resident preference.
1: Okay. Well, um, without further ado, Carrie Romero, welcome to the Blood Origins podcast. Thank you. Will you uh, introduce yourself to everyone.
2: Sure. Uh, my name is Carrie Cox Romero. I'm the executive director of the New Mexico Council of Outfitters and Guides. And uh, so, what what does that kind of mean? I'm I'm basically the lobbyist for the outfitting industry in the state of New Mexico. We advocate the outfitting industry and non resident hunter opportunity as well.
1: So it's a fair it's a fair assumption that you are on the on the side of what's best for hunting and hunters.
2: Definitely. Is that a fair assumption? Yeah.
1: Definitely. So, yeah, we
2: advocate the hunting industry. And you know, honestly, I get a lot of criticism from residents because they we seem very non resident focused. But, you know, I'm a resident hunter. My family is a resident hunter. My kids are resident hunters, and I'm born and raised in New Mexico. And I'm sure I'll be here my whole life. So got, uh, you know, got a lot of soft spot for the hunting industry in the state of New Mexico.
1: So wouldn't this situation that we're about to discuss wouldn't this situation benefit you and benefit your kids because it means more opportunity for them and, and the residents of New Mexico?
2: Well, I mean, I guess it depends on your definition of benefit. So there are only seven non resident sheep tags that are allocated in the state of New Mexico right now. So
1: how many it, in total?
2: 50, How many in total? 50. Between Rockies and deserts, there are 50 total. Non-residents get seven. So, I mean, yeah. So, I guess seven more tags. Oh,
1: 14%. 14%. Could, yeah.
2: Seven more tags could go to resident hunters. But you got to kind of look at the big picture. Non-residents contribute enormously to the New Mexico economy, not just in bighorn sheep, but in, in all various different species. And, but exclusively in bighorn sheep, non-residents over time, since the beginning of the program, which is over 20 years, have paid for over 98% of the bighorn sheep program. There would not be any huntable populations of bighorn sheep in New Mexico without non-residents. And so from that perspective... I really feel like non-resident opportunity does benefit me as a resident. It keeps our licenses low as residents, and it brings an enormous amount of economic contribution into our state and then in, into our conservation programs as well.
1: Mm-hmm. So we, we talked a little bit in the beginning to set this up, the difference, you know, Wyoming, comparing Wyoming to what's happening in New Mexico, you said that it's a different system. What, would, what, what are the comparisons there? What, what makes it different?
2: Well, first of all, we don't have a point system in New Mexico, so we are a a straight-up lottery draw. If you don't draw this year, then you've got just as much chance to draw next year and the year after, and and, you know. Yep. I did not draw my.
1: I did not draw my Hems book tag this year.
2: No. Well, next year. Every
1: year, I've done it four (laughs) years in a row now.
2: Well, your odds are just as good next year, so. (laughs) Um. But we do have a quota, a resident, non-resident quota, and bighorn sheep, All basically all of the bighorn sheep population are within federal lands, so they're all basically on public lands. And so all of the distribution, I shouldn't say all, because there are like a handful of tags that get distributed different ways, but um the majority of bighorn sheep tags are distributed through the public land draw system. And that... Quota is 84% to the resident hunter, and then 10% is allocated to the outfitter pool, which can be resident or non-resident, and then 6% to the non-resident do-it-yourself hunter.
1: Okay, so let's break that down because we just obviously, you just said seven tags out of 50, right. which is 14% of the tags.
2: Are
1: mm-hmm. those seven including... You just you just gave me a, a different set of percentages.
2: 10% yeah.
1: out for the guard pool. So how does that work?
2: Yeah, so I actually don't have how it broke out. I could do it mathematically really quick. So the statute reads at least 84%. So you would take whatever 84% of 50 is. Mm-hmm. What is that? I don't have a calculator on me.
1: I'll do it. 42.
2: And what's the decimal? There is none. Okay. All right. So then 42, but they got 43. I know they got 43. So there's got to be a rounding somewhere. Anyways, okay. they get at least 84%. So if there is a remainder, then they get an additional tag because they okay. have to get at least 84%. So then you would give that, that other tag to the resident, So they get 43. Then in bighorn sheep, Because it's a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and because the resident's odds are higher in the resident pool, they would theoretically not contract with an outfitter. So you would assume that pretty much everyone that applies in the outfitter pool would be a non-resident. And that is true for Bighorn Sheep. That's not true for all outfitter pool species across all of the various different huntable species in New Mexico. But it is for bighorn sheep. So then the outfitters are going to get a certain percentage, that next percentage. So what's that? Seven, 10% of seven. Anyways, you see where I'm going with this. I don't yep, know
1: what exactly, exactly.
2: And then the DIY hunters would get the other. So, but there's only seven. It's not yeah. like we're talking hundreds of tags. So the way that this... Issue has kind of been painted by the resident preference organizations that are pushing it is they, you know, they they kind of speak without talking down into numbers and they make it seem like there are hundreds of tags, but we're not talking about hundreds of tags. We're not even talking about 10 tags. We're talking about seven tags that currently go to non-residents.
1: Well, you could see it over time, right? Five years, it's 35 tags. Ten years, it's close to 70 tags. So then well, they are talking about a lot of tags.
2: Perhaps you could, but I mean, if you look at the Bighorn Sheep program, since it's originated basically back in like the late seventies in New Mexico, we, we haven't achieved, we're not achieving 35 tags a year. We're not growing mm-hmm. by that percentage a year. Mm-hmm. Where we've come from since the Turk injunction was overturned, which kind of like set this whole thing into motion since 2014, I think we've grown by, uh, I think the non resident tags have grown by about four.
1: So, what would be is, I don't want to assume anything, so I'll just lay the question out there. So, what is the driver? Of the So is this a legislation that's being pushed forward in the New Mexico uh, state legislative process? Is no. it a process, or is it through the commission? What's the What's the situation here?
2: Yes, it is through the commission. So every four years in the state of New Mexico, the big game rules come open, and okay. that is the time when the Department of Game and Fish basically reallocates hunting uh, opportunity throughout all of the Various different big game species, except for predators. Predators aren't until next year. But, um, and then that sets the parameters for the next four years of hunting
1: season. Yeah, the regulations essentially. Right. They can adapt yeah. it on a year by year basis based on weather or take or whatever, right? right?
2: Right, right. Yeah. So we're in that process right now. And that is a game commission process. It does nothing has to go through the legislature. So what's happening is, and this happened during the last big game rule cycle as well. this push for um, to eliminate non-resident opportunity in bighorn sheep also happened during the last, Four year rule cycle as well. Okay. So um, there are two main organ- organizations, the New Mexico Wildlife Federation and the New Mexico Chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, that are kind of resident preference, what I would call resident preference organizations. And they are pushing to eliminate non resident opportunity. Of course, they don't word it like that. They say that they don't like the fact that the bighorn sheep hunt codes are segmented differently than the hunt codes for other species. And they say that that's contrary to the statute. Um, And so this, through this rulemaking process, some of these complaints have, have come out and the commission requested an attorney general opinion on whether or not the structure that the Department of Game and Fish is currently allocating under is in compliance with the statute. And the Attorney General sent back a five-page letter, super detailed, saying, yes, they are completely in compliance with the statute. And the way that Bighorn Sheep permits are allocated is totally legal. Mm-hmm. And um, and so now they've had to repivot because I'm not sure they were expecting that maybe from the Attorney General. They're still trying to really push on the fact that they think that the way that permits are allocated is contrary to the statute, but um, they're also kind of coming from it from a, a, you know, quote unquote fairness standard now where they think that residents deserve more tags. So we're actually having a meeting tomorrow to try and find some type of middle ground. We'll see if that happens.
1: And who's the meeting with?
2: The department of game and fish and the, um, Nash, the New Mexico Wildlife Federation, the New Mexico Wild Sheep Foundation, Council of Outfitters and Guides, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, pretty much all of the organizations that have expressed interest in the issue.
1: What, what is the New Mexico Big uh, is the Bighorn Sheep Foundation? Is that what it is?
2: The, it's the New Mexico chapter of the Wild Sheep Foundation. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. Where do they stand? Where does wild sheep stand in this
2: they're completely 100% on the side of um, allowing non-resident opportunity. They, they've been in the Bighorn Sheep program since the beginning. They know how important non-resident dollars are to the conservation of wild sheep, and they are 100% in favor of the department maintaining the current allocation process.
1: Mm-hmm. Carrie, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask a an almost poking question at you. Okay. Got it. Um, but it, it's probably the thing that everyone thinks about. You represent Kerry Romero, Cox Romero, sorry, represents the New Mexico Guides and Outfitters Association. So it makes sense for Kerry to be pro non resident tags that get allocated to guides and outfits in the state of New Mexico. Would True. you be would you be pro non-residents having the tags if there wasn't that 10% outfit allocation?
2: So that's kind of a different conversation. The outfitter pool has been around for over 20 years. It's kind of a broader conversation that will probably get taken up during the legislature in 2023. And so it's I'm not trying to like kick the can or anything. I just Stop. I I think that that is actually going to become a big issue and it's something that I don't really feel comfortable talking about quite yet because I don't exactly know where my membership sits on, sure. um, on whether or not, you know, the outfitter pool is still beneficial to our industry. But if we, not. if
1: we, if we hypothetically were living in a state, you were living in a state that didn't have that would you so, still be for non-residents having tag allocations given what you said in the beginning which was the amount of money that is brought into the state for bighorn sheep and desert bighorn conservation
2: I 100% would and I I'll tell you why from a from just a policy standpoint I understand how all of the dollars have flown into the bighorn sheep conservation program over the years and there's no doubt that the non-residents are i mean they're instrumental they're they are why we have sheep in this state and that should be recognized in my opinion now the wildlife federation would be quick to tell you well we're not getting rid of the enhancement tags and the enhancement tags is where the money comes from anyways and that is true non-residents purchase the enhancement tags that are sold at auction at the wild sheep foundation And that money goes back and and goes directly into the... um,
1: So is that above and beyond the 50 tags?
2: There's Yes. So those are totally separate. There's one uh, rocky tag and there's one desert tag that go through the Wild Sheep Foundation auction. And then there is also one rocky raffle tag and one desert raffle tag that is sold by the New Mexico chapter of the Wild Sheep Foundation. And all of that money is what funds the bighorn sheep conservation program in the state of New Mexico. And it funds it entirely. So, um, you know, there are are very few bighorn sheep tags, either resident or non-resident to begin with. So you really can't rely on license revenue to fund that conservation program entirely. So that's why the enhancement tags are so important. But It's important to recognize that a resident has never purchased an enhancement tag since the history of the program. And also, even though the New Mexico Wild Sheep Foundation hosts this raffle every year and the tickets are only $20 a piece, only about 25% of the raffle tickets are ever purchased by a resident hunter. And so the non-residents really contribute substantially. But I will also say that from in, that this issue is about non-resident opportunity. It's not about outfitter opportunity. And the reason I'll say that is because in New Mexico, bighorn sheep permits are once in a lifetime. So there are a lot, like seventy between 50 and 70% of the resident hunters who draw tags book with outfitters. This is not an outfitter issue. Uh, you're not going to
1: do it you're not going to do it yourself if it's once in a lifetime. Exactly.
2: And so we don't stand as it as a representative for the outfitting industry. The outfitting industry does not stand to be injured if non-resident opportunity is eliminated for bighorn sheep. We already book a huge percentage of the resident hunters. So this issue is all about non-resident opportunity and the importance of non-resident to the overall hunting economy.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting dilemma, right? Because you can... There's, it's, it's, it's uh, Of course, the reason why you guys are having these meetings is it's a super sticky wicket, essentially, in that, you're right, the enhancement tags provide a lot of money they are the driver they are that 98 percent number that you discussed in the beginning right so the seven non-resident tags in the pool really don't you know equivalent to any of that 98 percent all it is is to your last point is giving people another outside of the state an opportunity to hunt the resource of that state which gets into a whole quagmire of You know, one of the reasons why Wyoming went Mm 90-10 is that, you know, and I speak for myself here, and I've had this conversation before with someone out of Wyoming. Um, Gosh, what was his name? It was a very interesting conversation. Um, Anyway, it, it went something along these lines, that I'm an American. I'm very proud and privileged to be an American now, and that allows me, gives me opportunity to hunt so many different things, not just in the state that I reside in. And so I want to go hunt other things in different states. And so I would want the opportunity for this public resource that is cared for by my tax dollars to be available to me. However, I also on the other side, um, on the other side of the equation, I can also understand someone who lives in a state saying these are my resources, which they are. They're the state resources. Saying, I don't want anybody to come hunt these resources. That I live here. If you want to come hunt these resources, come live here. I, I get both sides of the coin, right?
2: And, I mean, I've, I think that that's why there is resident preference in the first place. And no one's saying that we shouldn't give preference to the residents. But to completely exclude the non-residents is what I think is contrary to conservation and also the, you know, the various different economies. It's contrary to tourism. There's a lot of negative things about excluding non-residents. And yeah, the state owns the wildlife, but the taxpayers' dollars are are paying to manage the federal lands. And if you looked at it from a simply tourism perspective, you would never, if you managed Yellowstone National Park, you would never say only 84% of the people that come in must be residents and all of the rest can be non-residents. Mm-hmm. You would never say that or you would never make any money. And so that's kind of plus you would be excluding all of these east coast people from experiencing this you know national treasure if you mm-hmm. did
1: that mm-hmm. and so
2: you know it it is a very fine balance and and it's exactly why we're you know having all of these different conversations all across the west about you know the 9010 the push for 9010 and resident non-resident where is the line and and even you know private versus public land
1: do you see any issues cropping up in the state of new mexico tied to like number of hunters is there more i would assume there's more people applying for bighorn sheep tags than ever before is that another driver potentially for the like give residents more opportunity than non-residents are you seeing more of that
2: Yeah, I mean, in general, I think just like everyone we experienced during the COVID years, we experienced a huge boom uh, domestically. I mean, the poor guys on the international side, they just, they really had a hard time. But domestically, we've, we've seen an enormous demand. For hunting domestically and and so that hasn't changed i do think the numbers were maybe down a little bit the draw numbers were down a little bit this year from last year but not not anything significant so we've definitely still been seeing growth in um interest in hunting and and we have you know a, a finite resource basically you're never going to be able to allocate more tags than the population can sustain responsibly so, um, so yeah, there, there is a lot of that. I don't know that there's necessarily a lot more demand in bighorn sheep. Um, bighorn sheep permits for non-residents are, especially in New Mexico, we're the, we're the highest in the, the country. The cost of a license is the highest in the country.
1: What but, is the cost uh, of a license for a non-resident?
2: It's over 3000 I don't know what the exact... Let me, what let would be look.
1: the cost of a license for a resident?
2: Let me look. Let me look, let me look it up.
1: Yeah, it's an interest again. It it it, what this topic, even though it's very specific to bighorn sheep, you know, is touching on all of these things, all of these bigger, much bigger discussion points that are happening all across the West. Um,
2: So, yeah, the cost of a ram tag for a non-resident is three thousand one hundred seventy-three, compared to the resident cost, which is one hundred and sixty bucks. So, you know. It's, uh, that's a big, there's quite a big difference there. And so really when you're saying seven tags, you know, you're going to eliminate it by only seven tags. That's, that's still $21,000 basically that Mm -hmm. you're going to take out of the program that you're not going to be able to easily fill up because 700 is at 160 bucks. You've still got a pretty decent shortfall there.
1: What, so what did you say the resident number was? 160?
2: 160. Yeah.
1: So that's forty-three, right? We're times that by forty-three.
2: Well, I mean the seven additional tags that would go back to the residence.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. So it's six thousand eight hundred. Right. That's what the forty-three is paying, plus seven seven times one sixty. If I can get my fingers to work. Yeah, a thousand bucks. So in total, eight thousand dollars versus um what you're getting now, twenty nine thousand dollars. Right. Yeah, it's it's certainly. Said, I
2: mean, it's not not a small amount of money.
1: No, it's not, especially for a little for for state wildlife association or not state wildlife agency.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's a huge amount of money. They yeah. can do a lot with that kind of money. It probably funds half a position, half an FTE, Definitely. or you know, yeah. so. No, I can see the dilemma. I can see, I can also see why someone like you know New Mexico Wildlife Federation or uh, New Mexico Backcountry Hunters and Anglers would be interested in getting more tags for residents. I get it because it's more opportunity for them. But it's a risk reward, you know, it's a cost benefit analysis that you have to weigh out here. Mm -hmm. And go ahead.
2: I I was just going to say that. I mean, I really feel like in general when we're talking about hunter opportunity, we have to remember that overall, we want to concentrate on what's best for the conservation of the species, right? I mean, that not that our our ultimate goal as hunters is we're trying to like responsibly hunt so that we can see our wildlife thrive and continue to grow and prosper and everything. And so when you're looking at what's best for the conservation of the species, you have to recognize that dollars you know that twenty one thousand that's coming from the non-residents is important and you have to fill that gap somehow otherwise you're contrary to the conservation of the species
1: yeah no i totally agree totally agree but it is a good distinction that you made with the enhancement tags because a lot of people would think that those enhancement tags those big tags that with big money behind them would be involved in that non-resident pool but they are separate and apart
2: yes they're separate Mm mm-hmm yeah and the, you know there's a lot of people that that really feel like well the enta- the enhancement tag buyers are separate it's a de- it's a demographic of people that are completely separate they're never going to be applying in the draw so they shouldn't count but i disagree with that statement and especially with sheep hunters sheep hunters are a community i mean there's just sheep hunters are there's just something special about sheep hunters and they form themselves as a community and to completely eliminate, you know, the regular non-resident opportunity, but say, but don't worry, you know, if you've got enough money, you could still buy the enhancement tag. I just don't think that's going to go over very well with the overall demographic, the overall wild sheep demographic, because they really are a family.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, the sheep sheep people are certainly... (laughs) Uh, an interesting bunch, and they do stick together. I don't think I've ever heard of any sheep people uh, being against one another. They're actually quite a tight little group.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, Kerry, I, as I typically like short, sharp to the point. Um, keep us informed. Let us know how the outcomes come of those meetings. Um, when yeah. does this? When does the commission? Let's let's maybe wrap this podcast up by talking through timeline. When does the commission? Uh, put forward its recommendations for the guidelines for the next five years or four okay. years.
2: Yeah, so um so there was just a a meeting this past Monday and there was a vote, the commission voted. Give us the
1: dates because we extend, win this podcast. okay so on which, the ninth of, yeah.
2: of May. The the of May the game commission voted to extend the public comment process on Bighorn Sheet. So people can still comment on what is going on with bighorn sheep and they will present their final recommendations to the commission the department will department of game and fish um on june 3rd and then the process the commission process is kind of a formality after that it kind of has to go to the register for 30 days and sit there unchanged and then there's like a formal process where the the commission has to approve it after that time but basically june 3rd or that area is kind of the timeline for bighorn sheep. All the species are um, on their own various little timelines. Elk, deer, and the exotics rule is open now, and those will be set to close basically sometime in October. Um, okay. And then pronghorn has already been approved and is at the register now. So that, that will be officially approved on June 3rd. So, but so bighorn sheep she- has a little bit of time, we have at least till June 3rd.
1: Okay, perfect, perfect. So anybody can submit public comment to the commission. Mm -hmm. And um, if you're for or against it.
2: Yeah, you can find all of the information of of where you need to provide public comment on the New Mexico Department of Game and Fish website. And um, it's under uh, commission on the far right side on the website. It says commission. And then you can go to proposals under consideration. You'll find Big Horn Sheep and you can just comment right there.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Awesome, Kerry. Thank you. Thanks, Robbie. I
2: appreciate it. You're welcome. Take care.
1: Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting
0: a life that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby 68 western haul oh, there
1: baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p m eastern on waypoint tv
0: to go with like just full-blown redneck on these fish. This is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chase in the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern
1: on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.